You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show that is Critical Mass Business Talk Show. And I am your host, Rick Franzi, and I think we have a great show planned for you. My guest today is Rodney Brenneman. He is currently the CEO of Phage Tech, and we're going to talk about the company and Rodney's serial entrepreneurship and the medical device industry here in Orange County. A lot to cover in the 20 minutes that we're going to be together. But first, let me welcome you, Rodney, to the program. Thank you, Rick. Enjoyed uh, being part of your uh, Critical Mass audience here. Good to have you here. I'm excited to kind of get you to share a bit of your knowledge and experience. So as I said in the open, you're currently the CEO of Facetech Incorporated. Yep. What was your motivation to join this firm in 2020? Sure. So um, basically, I had, I had uh, wound down uh, the last company I was with after 14 years, and I was uh, very interested in interfacing with the ecosystem here in Orange County around UC Irvine. Um, it's a very rich culture here, and I had been talking with uh, uh, Ken Beal over at the Beal Applied Innovation uh, Group, and uh, we kind of knew each other from the past and was listening to his vision for for encouraging a, a rich ecosystem of medical device and, and whatnot and entrepreneurship around UC Irvine. And um, I, I shared that, uh, that desire to kind of uh, have more of a grassroots effort here in Orange County. And in interfacing with different companies and networking, I got introduced to uh, Facetech, uh, a couple of very bright professors, uh, Greg Weiss and Reg Penner out of the university. And, and Facetech, which was a technology they had pioneered um, about five years ago, roughly. And um, they had evolved from a lab stage into now wanting to get the company to basically evolve into a, you know, a med tech startup and, and go out and uh, attack uh, first indications and show that this novel diagnostic technology can be useful in the medical arena. So that's, that's how I got up, uh, came on board with Facetech to, to advance the company. So it's, it sounds, it sounds like they had a, a good idea, an invention potentially, a technology, and they were looking to really create a business that would support that. And your experience is part of the value that you're bringing is that ability to potentially put it into a business model? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In fact, it was a kind of an odd marriage when we were having the first conversations because I'm a mechanical engineer by training, right? And my whole career has been med tech. So devices for therapeutics, cath labs, all this other stuff. I'd never I've used a lot of diagnostics in, in, in uh, different device arenas, but I've never actually been part of a diagnostic company. And uh, Facetech had brilliant chemists, right? These brilliant chemists, biochemists working on this project. And when we first started talking about this, it was like they were talking Greek. I said, look, guys, I, you know, I've had basic chemistry, but I don't understand any of what you're talking about with, you know, phages and uh, binding epitopes and all this other stuff. It was, it was Greek to me. But what I do know is how to interface with the medical community, how to do clinical trials, how to work with doctors. I've worked in urology. Our first indication is bladder cancer. So I, I know that arena very well. And, uh, and I know how to get products, you know, through the funding stages and get all the critical things in place, quality systems, manufacturing, all the downstream stuff. So I had the sort of going forward experience that the company needed and they had the brilliant scientists and technology to produce this uh, interesting uh, diagnostic platform. So with 
at the risk of getting too deep, let's have you explain sure. what it is FaceTech is creating. Sure. And that this is one of the, the, the things that perhaps uh, has benefited my um, naivete in, in chemistry and things is I had to dumb things down to a level where I can understand them because, you know, let's say I'm not, I'm not a biochemist. But fundamentally, what's unique about what phage tech has done is uh, developed a, a sensor chip, a small uh, sensor that will go think of almost like a glucose test uh, system would be right so there's a reader and there's a sensor chip and what's novel about this is it basically these systems detect uh, what are called biomarkers uh, so when you have a disease in this case bladder cancer you're looking for biomarkers in the urine that could indicate that a tumor is present and patients have to undergo these tests routinely and they have to be undergo invasive tests unless there's a less invasive alternative, right? So whatever biomarker you're looking for, let's just say for cancer uh, in some body system, you want to try to detect these biomarkers, these little um, uh, organisms that basically get shed. In this case, sometimes it's blood byproducts or whatever. And you want to do that in a way that's, in our case, point of care. So the beauty of this small, simple system is it can be used point of care. That means like in your doctor's office when you go in, maybe even a primary care doctor's office. These sensors have in them a, a, a layer over top of a couple conductive strips. There's a couple contacts on the sensor. And over top of that is this sort of magic layer of a film that has embedded in it these harmless viruses that are basically, think of almost like shag carpet. They just kind of stick up. And they have been engineered to bind with whatever tiger biomarker we want to go after. And when they are in presence, so you put a drop of urine into the sensor. When they find those biomarkers and bind to them, it changes the conductance, the resistance, essentially, across this little sensor chip. And you get a, a, a difference in, in, in resistance reading across it. So the electronic device can measure that. So basically, it's a biomarker electronic device, and it can be Bluetooth connected, and, and you can go on from there for technology. But does that kind of explain fundamentally these bacteriophages identify biomarkers? Well, I just got to say, I'm very happy that people in this world are able to <laughs> come up with this, even yes. even if it to me seems like uh, a little beyond my level of yeah, comprehension. Yeah. But thank you for bringing it down yeah. to a level that I can identify with. And I have to ask you, do you think shack carpet's ever going to come back? I mean, it used <laughs> to be really popular. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully people know what shack carpet looks like. But anyway, yeah, that's kind of the uh, – and it does – kind of look like that when you see these under a, a, a scanning electron micrograph. So are there other applications for this technology Absolutely. other than bladder cancer or in yeah, addition absolutely. to bladder, bladder yeah. cancer? Okay. And this is, this is where the power of, of what phage tech is doing. It's like, well, we've got a lot of diagnostics out there. We've all gotten familiar with diagnostic tests for, you know, COVID and whatnot. And those are kind of what called or called molecular tests or lateral flow assays. What's unique about this is these, these bacteriophages that we're using in this system is pretty um, uh, insensitive to what would be called background noise. As you can imagine, when you look at body fluids, urine being probably one of the worst ones, it's it's got all kinds of stuff in it, you know, just generically stuff. And you're trying to identify one very specific biomarker in minute quantities in a, a, a sea of other uh, things that are in there, right? And that can create a lot of background noise. So this system is pretty um, uh, uh, insensitive to all that background signal. And that, that causes a lot of problems for a lot of other diagnostic systems. The other thing that's unique about it 
um, and it, it's broadly applicable across a lot of different biomarker searches is the ability to look for multiple biomarkers in the same sensor chip, right? So this mm -hmm. will be the next step is you can put down two, three, four, five different tracks on this little sensor chip, all looking for different biomarkers in the same drop of a sample. That's pretty magic, uh, pretty magical. Um, so that is uh, part of the unique aspect. And as you mentioned, it can be applied. We, we have basically phage libraries, what we call them, but there are billions of, of these phages that we use to do selections to find different biomarkers. So we could be working for in a, a teardrop uh, and looking for a, a biomarker for some uh, ophthalmo uh, ophthalmology application tomorrow. We could be looking for perspiration and things in that. So it's, it can be used for such a broad range of um, different diagnostic uh, uh, applications. That's, that's part of the power. So Rodney, you've done a, a good job of getting me confident that I intellectually can appreciate what the device has the potential to do. So the question is, what is, from my perspective, what is unique about what the two doctors created mm -hmm. in the lab at UCI that is this, that, that is the revolution that you're building upon? Right. Right. So uh, what's called phage display or the ability for these bacteriophages to find binding uh, partners, mm -hmm. that's not new. I mean, that's that's a well-known technology exploited for a lot of um, um, drug discovery and diagnostics. What's unique is this using these phages as a scaffolding to put what are called peptides on that can actually then use that to create a circuit. Basically, it's a circuit that will sense the biomarkers in an electronic sensor because that allows you to actually start thinking about quantifiable um, mm -hmm. data, not just a line that lights up on your you know, lateral flow assay that tells you you're COVID negative or positive. So those are pretty primitive, but they work, right? Um, so that's kind of what they created was unique was this circuit that could give you quantitative measures and again, potentially be um, very insensitive to background noise. And, it, and it's simple to use and fast, 60 seconds. So as you're talking, you're relating it to my experience and the audience's experience with COVID. Are you finding that an unintended consequence of COVID relative to your business model is people have more of a comfort level to sort of connect with what it is your technology is planning to be doing for them? I think it certainly helped. I mean, we, we've all kind of come way up the curve on our sort of knowledge of, of what, what's important about diagnostics, right? I mean, so it's it increased the visibility of diagnostics, certain people more interested in it. Um, I think it's been a push that was going on, though, even beyond COVID in, in the sense that healthcare is being decentralized in a lot of ways for cost concerns and other things. So if you can diagnose something at your primary care physician's office, or if you can eliminate a, a visit to a specialist because you can eliminate, you know, a bladder tumor diagnosis at that early stage, that's good for everybody. Good for patients, good for doctors, not wasting their time doing tests they don't really need to do. So COVID has helped, but yeah, I think um, people's general awareness of diagnostics and the importance of them is, has been increasing for different reasons. And I want to turn to you and your career, but before we go there, I want kind of one, from my mind, at least one last question mm -hmm. um, regarding phase tech so that you can kind of put a bow on this for the, um, for me and for mm -hmm. others. Uh, how do you see the impact of this on other 
cancers because you're starting with bladder and, and right. why were they why was it bladder first i guess and then yeah sure no i'll hit, hit both those so yeah, yeah i kind of wondered about that too when i first came into the company well it turns out bladder cancer is the most if not one of the most expensive cancers to treat and the reason is it's very treatable you typically show up with a little bit of blood in the urine called hematuria and they go on find a tumor say they excise it it's very treatable so the chance you're going to die from bladder cancer is very low Right. The bad news is the recurrence rate of tumors is very high. You know, so if you've had a tumor, you're very likely to get another one. So you have to come in for these routine surveillances. Uh, after your first tumor, you had to come in, depending on the guidelines, you know, every three to six months for that first year and then annually afterwards for life. So these patients are being managed, millions of them in the U.S. and, and across the world by having to come in and get checked up, you know, every year. Um, and those are invasive tests. So it's, it's a, um, there's a definite need for a non-invasive way of doing these follow-up surveillance because most of them are going to be negative, thankfully. Um, and our technology has the ability to, to potentially um, uh, do that in a, in a way that works best for patients. Um, so I'm sorry, I forgot the other part of your, your question. Rick. That was actually the core of the oh, question. Okay. Why, okay. why would, why did they choose bladder cancer? Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. And yes, it could go other places, but bladder cancer was uh, one of the most um, underserved. It really does not have a non-invasive uh, good way of detecting um, tumors. So yeah, that's where we went first. Well, uh, I'm now dangerous because I, I feel like I have a better understanding of what it is that phase tech is doing. And I probably am totally superficial, but at least I'm at that level. That's so right. thank you, Rodney, no, for being it, able to yeah. do that. And maybe for the rest of the audience, let's, let's focus now for the time that we have left a little bit more on you as a serial entrepreneur mm -hmm. in a specific niche. Right. So let's talk about what you are doing and have done in this space here in Southern California right. of med tech. Right, right. Well, I, I started, uh, my very first company was up in Irvine, um, what's now Bibron uh, McGaw, but it was it was Kendall McGaw back then. So I, I started in medical, kind of fell into it, honestly. I really didn't know where I was gonna go as a mechanical engineer and, and kind of was in the process side, meaning making plastic parts and making things for IV sets and solutions. But I, I quickly found that I have a very creative bent and I was coming up with new ideas and things and discovered that I really needed to make my way into small companies. And um, that whole small company, fast moving entrepreneurial side spoke to me and um, I found I thrive there and I really enjoy it. So I've done that most of my career in a lot of different specialties, medical specialties, which has been kind of fun. A lot of people fall into, you know, one specialty and kind of stay there, which is fine. You know, cardiology, orthopedics, whatever it is. And we have a rich, a richer array of um, uh, med tech uh, uh, companies and, and specialties in Southern California, and especially in California, Northern California has has a rich community as well around Stanford. But um, that this small company space, just I really enjoy and thrived in that environment of small teams doing, you know, a lot with a little. So, what have you learned from your time in med tech? Right. Um, I think, again, the, the small company environment really brings out some interesting um, uh, strengths of teams and things. So probably the most important thing I've learned is the importance of the people. Um, when you mm -hmm. have a small company and you're working with, you know, five people was my last company and we, we you know, it turned, had grown, but then we, we 
pivoted back into five people. You have to be incredibly efficient. People have to wear a lot of hats. I mean, you hear this term all the time, but it really means that. I mean, yeah, I might be the CEO, but I've got my hands, you know, in a pair of gloves and I'm in the OR doing, you know, preclinical studies or helping physicians with things. I enjoy that. I, I like wearing all those different hats. You may be in the machine shop helping make prototypes and things. Your clinical people may have to you know, be doing all different aspects of clinical, or they may have to shift over and do some regulatory next week. So, you, so your people are incredibly important in being adaptable, um, uh, being uh, uh, easily adaptable to change because priorities change daily. You know, you suddenly get an adverse event report and everybody has to stop and shift and, and take care of that fire. So you, you need people that are very adaptable. So people are the most important thing in the company. Um, the other thing is the importance of relationships uh, and, and staying close to your users. Um, there's a lot of great technologies out there and I've been very fortunate to work on some extremely sort of pioneering and new things. And that's exciting, but it's also challenging and it's very important to understand how in this case physicians almost everything is you know in our world the user is physicians um, and how they will use your device what they value what they need to have in terms of features so it's not just a cool technology it needs to be married to a real clinical need and, and that's been extremely important to recognize that and, and sort those things out early so you mentioned at the top of the show ken beal you mentioned the uci and the med tech ecosystem that we have right. here in, in Orange County. So from your perspective, how important is that kind of what I think of as public private, you know, right. a public institution with research right. and then private industry. Uh, can you talk about how that is important in the ecosystem of an industry? Sure. Sure. It's, it's, it's much more important, I think, than, than, than people might imagine. Um, a lot of these companies and technologies and things, it's almost like, uh, nuts falling from a tree and then another tree grows. These communities, we, we all have a lot of connections and a lot of uh, resources in people and also in, in uh, companies that supply services and things. So as people come out of one company experience and go to another, they become part of this ecosystem, right? So we know here in California, if you're going to do a product for the, you know, vascular device or cardiology device or whatever, we know the people to go to for regulatory, you know, uh, help for uh, IP and patent help for legal help for um, venture capital financing. There's when I talk about ecosystem, it's these relationships and things, and they're strongest with people that you actually can have contact with and have worked with. So we all develop these, this network of, of, of community that we rely on for help and also for services and for hiring people. So that's when I talk about that, the community. It's, um, it's great to have people here in Orange County around, um, around UC Irvine. And that's what um, University Lab Partners and, and that whole organization is, is helping foster. Is There's a place for people to go to start companies here. They don't need to leave the area and go to the Bay Area to, to form something. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there's networks of funding. Uh, there's networks of people doing regulatory and all the different things you need at your fingertips. So you can do it remotely, but um, and a lot of people have migrated to sort of these virtual models, which we all have done to, to an extent, but there's nothing like the personal contact. And you need to be in a, a place where you can make things and put prototypes together and test things. And having all that ecosystem in one place is extremely important. I, I, I love your answer. And what I keep hearing from you is the value of people. And uh, we've had two comments so far to the conversation. Earlier, Stephen was commenting that he was enjoying the conversation. And now you see on the screen, Jeff Shattuck, 
is talking about the invitation and understanding your statement, Rodney, around teams and teams adaptability. Mm. So yep. I'm glad that uh, our audience is not only listening and engaged, but actually commenting as well. And we would invite anyone who might be on one of the platforms listening live to join into the conversation that we, as we have a few minutes kind of left okay. in this. Uh, does the rest of the world sounds too big to me, but mm -hmm. outside of Orange County, do people know who are in this space the value of the ecosystem for medtech that's here in Orange County? Uh, I think that's gaining popularity. It, what tends to happen is different specialties tend to have pockets. Um, so I'll pick on ophthalmology. Uh, I've done only a little work in ophthalmology, but Orange County is probably one of the strongest ecosystems in ophthalmology in, in the whole U.S., and, and you can expand it to the world. And the reason was you've had a few companies here that have been successful that have then gone on to, you know, those people go on to start up new companies. And you, like I said, the analogy of nuts dropping from a tree, Stanford has its own ecosystem, right? It's had a lot of med tech and device companies that are successful. So they tend to build these cultures. So yes, Orange County has a very robust one. Um, San Diego is known for um, uh, biopharma and, and diagnostics. They have a little stronger community there, but we, we have a, we have a, a healthy community here of, of med tech and um, you know, we'd like to see it grow. And, and having, first-rate universities such as mm -hmm. UCI, yep. and then people who are supporting those either as donors or funders, you know, um, right. people who see the value in the in building the uh, capability of the, that attracts talent too, doesn't it? Yeah, too? Absolutely. The, absolutely. The researchers who want to do the work. So it's sort of, it builds momentum within That's the right. system, I would think too. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you see Irvine has a, has a good uh, what's called an uh, outsourcing licensing office. Most of these universities do where you go and you can license technologies out and then you end up working with them um, to, to, you know, secure license agreements. And then as time goes on to keep evolving things and they do patent filings and things. And then you need things like funding sources. You need angel investors or family offices or venture capital groups in the area, too, to help foster that that uh again that, that that network of of um you know it's a garden where everything has to grow and you need all the ingredients to make it happen what a great analogy well this rodney the time has just flown by i just glanced at the screen to see how far how long we've been talking and we're sort of at time my friend so yeah. if someone would like to learn more about you as a serial entrepreneur in med tech or your current venture which is phase tech how do they sure. find you Sure. Uh, well, my, my Facetech email is rbrenneman at phagetech.com. And the spelling is on the screen, P-H-A-G-E-T-E-C-H, -E -E rbrenneman at phagetech.com. Um, and you're welcome to reach out on LinkedIn as well. I have a LinkedIn profile. Um, I like networking with people in, in the space. And um, it is a small community, so we all try to help each other. Well, thank you for being uh, a friend of the program, a guest on the program, and a part of our growing community here in Orange County. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you for inviting me. Also want to thank the audience, those that Stephen and Jeff who participated and those that are listening either live today or in the future as a podcast. This is Orange County's longest running business talk show. And Rodney's episode was episode number 1345. Well, if you're an Orange County, yeah, if you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you'd like to share your story like Rodney just did, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick Franzi, R-I-C-F-R-A-N-Z-I. Or you're welcome to visit my website, which is rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.